Chapter thirty one of The Precipice by Ivan Goncharov. Translated by M. Bryant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. As the days went by, Malinovka assumed its wonted calm. The quiet life, which had been brought to a pause by the catastrophe, flowed evenly on. The peaceful atmosphere was not undisturbed by anxiety autumn had laid her hand on men as well as on nature the household was thoughtful silent and cold smiles laughter and joy had vanished like the falling leaves and even though the worst crisis was past it had left behind it an atmosphere of gloom tatiana markovna ruled her little kingdom once more vera was busily engaged in the house and devoted much care and taste to the choice of marfinka's trousseau she had determined not to avoid any task however simple and trivial it might be while she awaited the opportunity of some serious work that life might offer her she recognized that with most people avoidance of the trivial and the hope of something extraordinary and unprecedented were dictated either by idleness and incompetence or by morbid self-love and vanity she was paler than before her eyes were less sparkling and she had lost some of her vivacity of gesture but these changes were put down by everyone to her narrow escape from nervous fever in fulfilment of tatiana markovna's insistently expressed wish vera had spoken to raisky of their aunt's passion of which tit nikonitch had been the object but she said nothing of the sin even this partial confidence explained to raisky the riddle how tatiana markovna who in his eyes was an old maid could find the strength not only to bear the brunt of vera's misfortune but to soothe her and to rescue her from moral collapse and despair he showed in his intercourse with her more clearly than before a deep and affectionate esteem and an unbounded devotion he now no longer contradicted her so that an end was put to the earlier semi-comic warfare he had waged against her even in his gestures there was a certain reserve she inspired him with the astonishment and admiration which are called forth by women of exceptional moral strength the servants too were different even though the cloud had passed there was no sound of quarrelling abuse or laughter vasilisa found herself in an exceptionally difficult position since now that her mistress was restored to health she was called on to fulfil her vow one morning Jacob vanished from the yard he had taken money from the box where the cash was kept for buying the oil for the lamps kept burning in front of the icons which were in his charge and had bought the promised candle which he set up before the sacred picture in the village church at early mass as there was a small surplus he crossed himself piously then betook himself to the poorer quarter of the town where he spent his riches and then reeled home again on his unsteady legs displaying a slight redness on his nose and his cheeks tatiana markovna happened to meet him 
she immediately smelt the brandy and asked in surprise what he had been doing he replied that he had been to church bowed his head devoutly and folded his arms on his breast he explained to vasilisa that he had done his duty in fulfilling his vow she looked at him in perturbation for in her anxieties about her mistress and in the preparations for the wedding she had not thought of her own vow here was Jacob, who had fulfilled his and was going about with a pious jubilant air and reminding her of her promised pilgrimage to kiev i don't feel strong enough she complained i have hardly any bones in me only flesh lord have mercy on me for thirty years she had been steadily putting on flesh she lived on coffee tea bread potatoes and gherkins and often fish even at those times of the year when meat was permitted in her distress she went to father vassili to ask him to set her doubts at rest she had heard that kind priests were willing to release people from their vows or to allow substituted vows where weakness of body hindered the performance of the original as you agreed to go you must go said father vassili i agreed because i was frightened little father i thought that mistress would die but she was well again in three days why then should i make the long journey yes there is no short road to kiev if you had no inclination to go you should not have registered the vow the inclination is there but strength fails me i suffer from want of breath even when i go to church i am already in my seventh decade father it would be different if mistress had been three months in bed if she had received the sacraments and the last unction and then had been restored to health by god in answer to my prayer then i would have gone to kiev on my hands and knees well what is to be done asked father vassili smiling now i should like to promise something different i will lay a fast on myself never to eat another bit of meat until i die do you like meat i can't bear the sight of it and have weaned myself from eating it a difficult vow said father vassili with another smile must be replaced by something as difficult or more difficult but you have chosen the easiest isn't there anything that it would be hard for you to carry out think again vasilisa thought and said there was nothing very well then you must go to kiev i would gladly go if i were not so stout how can your vow be eased said father vasily thinking aloud what do you live on on tea coffee mushroom soup potatoes do you like coffee yes little father abstain from coffee that is nearly as bad she sighed as going to kiev what am i to live on on meat it seemed to her that he was laughing and indeed he did laugh when he saw her face you don't like it he said but make the sacrifice 
what good does it do me and to eat meat is not fasting father eat it on the days when it may be eaten the good it will do is that you will lay on less fat in six months you are absolved of your vow she went away in some distress and began to execute the priest's instructions the next day turning her nose sadly away from the steaming coffee that she brought her mistress in the morning in about ten days marfinka returned in company with her fiance and his mother vikentiev and she brought their laughter their gaiety and their merry talk into the quiet house but within a couple of hours after their arrival they had become quiet and timid for their gaiety had aroused a melancholy echo as in an empty house a mist lay on everything even the birds had ceased to fly to the spot where marfinka fed them swallows starlings and all the feathered inhabitants of the park were gone and not a stork was to be seen flying over the volga the gardener had thrown away the withered flowers the space in front of the house usually radiant and sweet with flowers now showed black rings of newly dug earth framed in yellowish grass the branches of some of the trees had been enveloped in bast and the trees in the park became barer with every day the volga grew darker and darker as if the river were preparing for its icy winter sleep nature does not create but it does emphasize human melancholy marfinka asked herself what had happened to everybody in the house as she looked doubtfully round her even her own pretty little room did not look so gay it was as if vera's nervous silence had invaded it her eyes filled with tears why was everything so different why had verishka come over from the other house and why did she walk no more in the field or in the thicket where was tit nikonich they all looked worried and hardly spoke to one another they did not even tease marfinka and her fiance vera and grandmother were silent what had happened to the whole house it was the first trouble that marfinka had encountered in her happy life and she fell in unconsciously with the serious dull tone that obtained in malinovka silence reserve and melancholy were equally foreign to vikentiev's nature he urged his mother to persuade tatiana markovna to allow marfinka to go back with them to kolchina until the wedding at the end of october to his surprise permission was given easily and quickly and the young people flew like swallows from autumn to the warmth light and brightness of their future home raisky drove over to fetch titnikonich he was haggard and yellow and hardly stirred from his place and he only gradually recovered like a child whose toys have been restored to him when he saw tatiana markovna in her usual surroundings and found himself in the middle of the picture either at table with her serviette tucked in his collar or in the window on the stool near her chair with a cup of tea before him poured out by her hands 
Another member was added to the family circle at Malinovka, for Aisky brought Kozlov to dinner one day to receive the heartiest of welcomes. Tatiana Markovna had the tact not to let the poor forsaken man see that she was aware of his trouble. She greeted him with a jest. Why have you not been near us for so long, Leonti Ivanovitch? Borushka says that I don't know how to entertain you, and that you don't like my table. Did you tell him so? How should I not like it? When did I say such a thing? He asked Raisky severely. You are joking, he went on as everybody laughed, and he himself had to smile. He had had time to find his own bearings, and had begun to realize the necessity of hiding his grief from others. Yes, it is a long time since I was here. My wife has gone to Moscow to visit her relations, so that I could not... You ought to have come straight to us, observed Tatiana Markovna, when it was so dull by yourself at home. I expect her, and am always afraid she may come when I am not at home. You would soon hear of her arrival, and she must pass our house. From the windows of the old house we can see who comes along the road, and we will stop her. It is true that the road to Moscow can be seen from here, said Kozlov, looking quickly and almost happily at his hostess. Come and stay with us, she said. I simply will not let you go today, said Raisky. I am bored by myself, and we will move over into the old house. After Marfinka's wedding, I am going away, and you will be the grandmother's and Vera's first minister, friend and protector. Thank you. If I am not in the way... How can you talk like that? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Oh, forgive me, Tatiana Markovna. Better eat your dinner. This soup is getting cold. I am hungry, too he said suddenly seizing his spoon he ate his soup silently looking round him as if he were seeking the road to moscow and he preserved the same demeanour all through the meal it is so quiet here he said after dinner as he looked out of the window there is still some green left and the air is so fresh listen boris pavlovitch i should like to bring the library here as you like Tomorrow, as far as I am concerned, it is your possession to do as you please with. What should I do with it now? I will have it brought over so that I can take care of it, else in the end that man Mark will... Raisky strode about the room, Vera's eyes were fixed on her needlework, and Tatiana Markovna went to the window. Shortly after this, Raisky took Leonti to the old house, to show him the room that Tatiana Markovna had arranged for him. Leonti went from one window to another to see which of them commanded a view of the Moscow road. End of chapter 31